goat guns are goat. Our miniature gun models will make you the center point of attention. Display them at your office desk, bookshelf, or man cave. Collect and customize goat guns to your own liking. Each goat gun model has intricate parts that snap together to assemble. Start your next hobby addiction at GoatGuns.com. Jackson, the word of the day, nothing personal. Jackson, as in Janet Jackson. Janet Jackson's making a show. Why? Because it's time to sing. What have you done for me lately? Ooh, ooh yeah. Do, do, do. What have you done for me lately? Do you get that? What have you done for me lately? I mean, the lyrics of the song are about a relationship where the guy ends up doing nothing for Janet, so Janet dixies him. But... I'm talking about Major League Baseball and the teams where all the fans and media are complaining and bitching and moaning about their teams. They're not performing well. The Angels stink. The Phillies stink. The Yankees stink. The Mets stink. Come on. I never understood running a team. That was always my favorite song to sing, and I would sing it under my breath because you win the offseason doesn't matter. You win the regular season doesn't matter. You win the postseason, that's great. What are you doing next? It's always next. It's always next. No one's ever satisfied with the present. It's like when, uh, have you ever been around people who are eating a meal and during the meal, they're talking about their next meal? Or people when you're on a trip, when you're looking at the Grand Canyon and all you're doing is talking about the next trip? Or you're in a meeting, you're closing a deal. What's the next deal? What's next? Not taking one minute to appreciate the present or to acknowledge why the present is the present. That song is a good one. I don't think Coke has ever heard of it. Or if he has, he didn't recognize it when I sang it to him during the show prep. What have you done for me lately? It's Friday. Oh, I could have done the cure. Friday, I'm in love. Let's skip with... Let's stick with Jackson. All right, let's talk about some Major League Baseball. There's about five things to cover. There's some um, interesting things that happened this week that are worthy. We've been doing a lot of other things, but let's talk about first the New York Mets. Uh, The New York Mets were in Miami getting healthy, playing the Marlins. The Marlins, they were the toast of baseball when they were after COVID. They went from two and one to seven and one, a five game winning streak. Stop the press is Mattingly manager of the year. The scout scout of the year. Where's my kill? Even I was saying how great my kill had done. Just posting a team, a lineup, but now the Marlins are back to earth. They're back to 599, which is not bad. Almost a third of a season done playing 500 ball. They're in a playoff spot now hanging on by an ever so tenuous string. Thanks to the, play of the Nats and the Phillies, and in some ways the Mets. Maybe even the Braves. The Braves caught them for first place, but the Mets come to Miami. They get healthy. They win the first. They win two out of the first three games of a four-game series. All of a sudden, everyone's saying, listen, we're past the COVID. There's been no postponements for COVID. We had a day where all teams who were supposed to play were playing. Ding, ding, ding. Alert, alert. Mets player and staff test positive game postponed against Marlins. It was supposed to be a 6 p.m. game last night. Game was postponed. And then word comes out 
that game one of the subway series between, by the way, ironically, no one's riding the subway in New York, so it's not really the subway series. There's no fans going to games. It's more, let's call it the bus series. Game one of the bus series, because the players take buses to the ballpark between the Yankees and the Mets, has been postponed. And now we get word that the entire weekend has been postponed, and the Yankees will now be off till Tuesday. The Yankees join the list of teams who will be playing a lot of seven-inning doubleheaders to get to 60. So we've watched how COVID unveils, unfolds. We started with the Marlins, who played after positive tests. Then we went to the Reds who stopped after one player tested positive. Then the Cardinals stopped completely. Then the Cardinals didn't travel. They waited for the outbreak to finish, but they worked out. The Phillies worked out without positive tests. Then there were false positives. We've seen it all. Last night, both the Marlins and the Mets flew out of Miami. So the Marlins had no positive tests. So they flew to, the game was postponed, So they leave because they were leaving town anyway after the game to go to Washington. So they go to Washington as planned. When the Cardinals started their outbreak, they were forced to stay in Milwaukee. I love Milwaukee, right? Staying in the Fister. That's the hotel with the ghosts in the old tower. Haven't seen them. I look for them. Sleep with one eye open when I be there. So the Cardinals had a quarantine in Milwaukee when they were still figuring out how many people are testing positive. But the Mets, now we've moved on a couple weeks. The Mets had a positive test, and they said, eh, we're flying, and MLB approved it because they were going to take extra special precautions on the flight. Don't know what that means. Maybe they'll wear shields. Maybe they'll wear hazmat suits. Maybe they'll sit every eight feet instead of every four feet. Maybe there'll be no food served. Maybe no one will get out of their seat for the entire two-hour and 21-minute flight back to New York. Although this time of year, it could be closer to 207, or maybe it's closer to 230. It's always five hours from Miami to New York. And if you get north in two hours and 10 minutes, it'll be 250 going south. So one time of year, and if there's any aviation experts listening, you'll know, one time a year, it's 2.30, 2.30. One time a year, it's 2.05, 2.55. So whatever time of year, maybe they'll just stay in their seats. Why did MLB decide to allow them to fly? What they're claiming is that the contact tracing after this player tested positive was such that there was no contact. Hmm. So I was thinking about what players would have absolutely no contact. It could be a bullpen arm who doesn't warm up the previous day because when you warm up, you're close to a bullpen coach. You're touching balls that you throw with. I'm just not sure why, other than the Mets won it out of Miami because Miami is a COVID Petri dish. While the positivity rate has improved, it is still far worse here than it is in New York. And then we were informed that they'll just miss a game in, New, in Miami, one game in New York, and hope to play Saturday. When they announce now that they're not going to play Saturday or Sunday, so what we are now learning why the postseason has to be in a bubble, because in a postseason schedule, if you're going to miss three days of games, as we said, that's going to screw everything up. So MLB has got to get the postseason bubble together. I think that it's proof now that enough teams are going to have positive tests. After the Marlins, they said, let this be enough. Then it was the Cardinals, let this be enough. But there's still positive tests happening. The only sport 
that can announce that there is a bubble uh, with negative tests is sports that are having a bubble. So MLB cannot do that. They tried to announce with the union that all is well, but the truth is it's really not. You're going to have to do a bubble. So the Mets have some days off. The Yankees have some force games off. What's going on with the Yankees? And why am I saying we have a serious problem? Well, the Yankees got swept by the Tampa Bay Rays. So the Tampa Bay Rays are a team. They started slowly, as we said they would. Remember, they played no exhibition games. They and the Mariners were the only two teams. We knew the Rays were a good team, a team you haven't heard of any of their players, the front office that we love to love because they're so good. And... The Rays with expanded playoffs, my thought was they'd likely finish second. But I did not take into account, while we talked about health and COVID, I did not think the Yankees would have the number of injuries that they're having again. Do you remember last season, it was the B squad. Next man up, they kept saying. And all these players were called up and the Yankees made it all the way to the LCS. A failure by Yankee standards because they haven't been to a World Series since 09. But nevertheless, it was a good season. There was hope that Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton would be back. They'd find a way to get Paxton back. If the season had started, all three of those guys would have missed it. But they were healthy and ready to go for the new start. There was positivity around the Yankees. They started hot. Aaron Judge was hitting bombs. Stanton was hitting 300. DJ LeMahieu got hurt, then he came back. But what's happened is, and I want to run down this laundry list of why the Yankees were swept by the Rays, Aaron Judge out with a calf, Giancarlo Stanton out with a hamstring, DJ LeMahieu out with a thumb, Zach Britton out with a hamstring, Tommy Conley out with Tommy John, Glaber Torres is having an MRI and a hamstring. That's never good. James Paxton back getting an MRI because of elbow soreness. Ruh-ro! Aroldis Chapman back to being the closer after the, having COVID. They have a problem. And the problem that they're going to have is that they do not have the depth to compete with the A team of the Rays. If the Rays have these type of injuries, the Yankees will prevail because the Yankees are actually, their depth is better than the Rays depth, but the Yankees depth is not better than the Rays regular team. So it turns out that this season, which we thought would be a season of attrition due to COVID, is now a season of attrition due to injury. The injuries that we knew would come with the fast ramp up that happened with the second spring training, but even I did not predict that it would happen at this rate. The Yankees, I think it was last off season that they got rid of their training staff. They started anew. They did all this work. I remember Brian Cashman may have met the media saying he's the GM of the team of the Yankees that we are going to find out why these injuries keep happening. We always, when we had injuries, we would always want to blame the trainers or blame the doctors. We'd want to blame somebody because that is what happens when you run a team that has injuries. You need to blame someone. You're not willing to say that your superstars are injury prone. There's no way the Yankees want to say that Stanton's injury prone because he's got seven years, 210 left. They don't want to say that they're a great young player, Torres is injury prone, or that Aaron Judge, what are you going to do if you're the Yankees? Aaron Judge could be the face of baseball. Are you going to give him a Stanton-like deal after you've paid Cole, you've paid Stanton, or you've assumed Stanton's contract? You want to give Judge 300 mil when he cannot stay on the field? It's not always his fault. It's different parts of his body. But maybe we're finding out that people of that size, just they're not meant for baseball. 
Stan was actually got smaller during the break, and people thought that that would be the difference in him and his health. I don't know. I just know that the Yankees have some decisions to make. And if the Yankees do not win this season, there's going to be some rolling heads. I really believe that. I don't know that it will be Aaron Boone, but I think you're going to see them make some personnel changes because they're not going to be able to go with this core because they're going to run out of patience. Now, they may go one extra season blaming the entire thing on the reality that it's COVID. It was a short season and that they watched nothing personal. And the reality is that nothing personal said that there's going to be vagaries. Is that the word? I don't think that's the word. Vagaries. Coca, is that a word? Coca, do you see what I wrote on top of the document? I can't tell if you have because you haven't acknowledged it. I can't hear you either. Something must have happened because I've got uh, CBS calling while we're doing the show. So I think they want me on CBS Sports HQ, but I'm in the middle of a show. So I don't want to stop. Coca, do we have to stop? I'm not stopping. Let's keep going. What else is going on in baseball? Ooh. Anybody listen to the 27 minutes about Tom Brenneman? Yesterday on Nothing Personal, we had to wait to see that the NFL and Fox, he would not call an NFL game. The second half of the wait to see is the Reds would fire him, not suspend him. Well, guess what? Word came out that Brenneman will not be doing NFL games. Obvs. And Brenneman decided to do what we told him to do, which is to start the process of apologizing with a letter published in the newspaper. He published a letter saying that he had already started talking to Billy Bean. What is it like to be Billy Bean? I'm not talking about at all the president of the A's. I'm talking about Billy Bean is the head of diversity and inclusion for MLB. Billy Bean is gay. He is a former player. I've spent time with him. He's a great guy and he's great at his job. And uh, what I don't love about having to be Billy Bean is that he's the call that people make during times like this to say that they are learning, that they are trying. So Tom Brenneman in his letter said, I've spent a lot of time talking to Billy Bean, learning about the F word and why it's so hateful. Really? You needed to learn from Billy Bean? You need to learn from a homosexual male. Why saying the F word is pejorative? That you didn't know that? It belies credibility for you to say that. The letter was a disaster from Brenneman. He spent a lot of time learning and he's going to spend more. He's going to engage the LGBTQ community. It's like he follows me on Twitter. Too little, too late, Tom. But at least you're following the playbook. Except this day and age, there's a new playbook. We've got it for you on nothing personal. Stand up, take the mic, and own it. Yeah, I'm prejudiced. Also in baseball. (sighs) The Los Angeles Angels are a mess. 
We spent some time, I think, talking about him, but we got to talk about him more. I can't remember if I talked about him on the show or on HQ. Los Angeles Angels, they have a new manager named Joe Madden who came from the Cubs, won the World Series in 2016 with the Cubs. You're not listening to this on 1.5X or 2X. I'm just going through this quickly because I want to get through this. When Joe Madden got to the Cubs, there was a thought that uh, when he left the Cubs, he had a fight a falling out with Theo Epstein, who then hired David Ross. The Cubs now have maybe one of the best records in the National League. Coca, Amanda's calling again. Could you at least figure out whether there's an emergency so we don't have to stop the show? Please tell me that you're calling them and just telling them that we're going. Thank you, Coca. So Joe Madden goes to the Los Angeles Angels. And on the Los Angeles Angels side, they signed Anthony Rendon this offseason. And Anthony Rendon was the top position player available. Garrett Cole was the top pitching uh, pitcher available. So Garrett Cole got uh, signed by the Yankees. 324 over nine, I believe, was his contract. And he chose the Yankees over the Angels because the Angels would not go to that number. So what the Angels did is they turned around and they signed Rendon. And they gave Rendon, I think, the equivalent of what Strasburg got. This is by memory, so I'm probably wrong. I think Rendon did 245, which is what Strasburg ended up getting. And that contract was lauded. It was people were saying, this lineup, you've got Trout. Look at the middle of this lineup with Trout, Rendon, and Otani. You've got pitching with Otani coming back from Tommy John. You've got Pujols in that lineup. And we said to you here on Nothing Personal, they have no pitching. They're not going to win. Even in this expanded playoffs, there's going to be a problem. Well, as it turns out, the Angels are 10 games under 500, and they've got a major issue because they're not even going to make the playoffs in an expanded playoffs, and that's bad for baseball. Why can't the Angels get a winner around Mike Trout? Because for whatever reason, they have not learned that having Andrew Heaney, who we know well, who's a nice middle-of-the-rotation guy, you cannot win with all middle-of-the-rotation pitchers. Now, if you don't want to pay for Cole, I get it, but then you've got to draft, develop, or find a way to get your scouts or development to come up with some overperforming young pitchers. So now people are calling on them to be an automatic seller during the deadline. The day Artie Moreno, the owner of the Angels, sells in a season like this with expanded playoffs is the day that I will be wrong on a bonus wait to see. The Angels are not going to be sellers because they can't afford to waste another year of Trout, Rendon, Otani. It's just not going to happen. It's not worth it. They're talking about trading David Fletcher and the price is high. Give me a break. So Joe Madden is frustrated. We know he's frustrated. One of the reasons he's super frustrated is that it's been two days in a row when Gabe Kapler's giants keep throwing at Mike Trout's head. Now, Mike Trout is not being thrown at purposefully. But Mike Trout is the best player on your team. And when you're a manager or a president or GM, you don't like when there's anyone on the mound who does not have good command and throws hard. So back in the old days, there were a bunch of guys who uh, would throw 97, 98. It wasn't as common as it is now. And more and more players started throwing that speed. And what they were giving up was command. 
So they had the speed velocity because velocity is something that would attract attention, but that velocity would not lead to command of your pitches or even having a secondary pitch. So what we're going to do if we are baseball teams now is everybody throws 97, 98. So what our plan will be is that we are going to have as many bullpen arms as possible, one after the other, who comes in throwing 97-plus. If you can't throw 97-plus, you're not going to be in a bullpen. So all teams are doing that, but there are players who are then joining teams who have that velocity who should not be in the major leagues but for that velocity, and they just don't have command, and Joe Madden's had enough. After Sean Anderson of the Giants threw a pitch that was really close to Trout's head. Joe Madden went off and said, enough is enough. This is the major leagues. There's a level of accountability here. I don't want to use the word irresponsible loosely, but in that situation, you pretty much knew it was going to happen again. I'm not accusing the guy of doing anything on purpose. I'm just saying he doesn't command his fastball enough to know where it's going. Who is Joe Madden calling out? Well, it's not Gabe Kapler, the manager of the Giants. Gabe Kapler gets called out for enough stuff. That's not who's being called out here. It is the GM president of baseball ops of the Giants for calling up this player and putting him on the 26, 28-man roster when he's not ready to be a big leaguer. This is a direct result of COVID, where you've got pitchers who are up at the major leagues. Look at the entire Marlins bullpen. Those are guys who are not major leaguers. We're finding out that they don't have command. They're getting hit when they do throw it in the zone whether they're ambidextrous or not. It's happening all over baseball. But don't be confused when you keep reading about all the top prospects being called up. We talked about Casey Mize with the Tigers, the new catcher for the Giants. These big, the White Sox called up the top pitching prospect. All these guys are being called up now. That's not COVID-related. That's date-related. And I have no problem with these call-ups. That's like what we did with Cabrera. Pretend that right now is around the end of June in the season. That's when you can call up a player and they do not become arbitration eligible a year early, as opposed to if you called them up a week or two ago or earlier than June 22nd in a regular 162 game season. So it's no secret or surprise that these top prospects are being called up. That's not the issue that Joe Madden has. That's not the issue that I have. Those top prospects, the Marlins just called up their top pitching prospect. Totally normal and fine. It's the other players who, in theory, should not be towing the rubber during times like this regardless. But the reason they are is arms are necessary because of injuries, because of so many games in a row, because of starting pitching being so terrible that bullpens are throwing more and more innings. And what is happening if MLB is not careful is that good players are going to get hurt. Trust me, you don't want another situation where a Stanton happens and a player gets hit in the face with a ball. You just don't want it. So the Angels are in trouble. There's another team that we have to mention because the Natives are getting angry and restless. That's an unfortunate expression that I'm never going to use again. I used it. I've used that expression before. I'm never using it again. Fans, media members are getting very upset in Philadelphia because the Phillies stink. They got swept in Buffalo last night by the Blue Jays. And for all of you traditionalists out there, angry 
that Fernando Tatis swung on a 3-0 pitch in a seven-run game and hit a grand slam. Did you watch the Phillies game? Did you pay attention when the Phillies were up seven runs in the first inning and lost the game because their bullpen is so horrid? Can you imagine being the person, Matt Klintak, Joe Girardi, the owner, John Middleton, when you've signed Bryce Harper, you traded for JT Realmuto, you brought in Didi Gregorius, you signed Jake Arrieta, and you have that bullpen? Ugh. Their bullpen's so bad that Joe Girardi must be pulling his balding hair out. I understand why people are restless, because you should be. The Phillies are not a good team. They do not have enough starting pitching. They do not have enough bullpen arms. And they're in a division where, in theory, the Mets, the Nationals, and the Braves are better than they are. The Phillies could actually finish behind the Marlins. I don't think they will, but they could. Is this John Middleton's fault because he wanted to stay under the luxury tax? Absolutely not. He has signed the top free agent only two seasons ago. He signed a great starting pitcher. It's not his fault. It's okay to have a payroll under $200 million. You should be able to win with less. Maybe the Phillies should pay attention to the Tampa Rays or the Oakland A's. They've got the sixth highest payroll in all of baseball. That's enough. That's reason enough that if you're a fan or you are a media member, you don't complain about it. You could say, listen, we don't think the team president is good enough. The GM's good enough. We don't think the manager's good enough. But you just got rid of Gabe Kapler. You thought Joe Girardi was your guy, but he's not. As you heard in a wait to see from a long time ago when we said the Cubs would make the playoffs before the Phillies after Ross and Girardi both got hired this offseason. I guess I would say that the Phillies are in a free fall. And when a team is in a free fall, the trend is your friend. My nothing personal pick of the day. How do you not go against the Phillies? We won last night. We're back to 500 Coca. We Biebered it. And I did say Justin Bieber last night. Thank you to Greg and his best of video on Twitter. So I'm going for over 500 right now for the first time this season. I don't think I've ever been above 500. I'm going against the Phillies. The Braves are playing the Phillies. They're going with Max Freed. The Phillies are going with their number three starter, whose initials are TBD. And so what's going to happen now is the Braves are going to beat the Phillies, and I've got a chance to get over 500 with the nothing personal pick of the day. We're going to get to later in the show, we got to talk about Masai Ujiri, again, two days in a row. We're going to talk quite a bit of NFL. uh, But first, after the break, we're going to do a little more singing. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back. I have a correction from a listener, and I'm not going to call out Coca because he's angry with me because I've been not behaving during this show, but I... It's just what I do. I'm tired. I'm grumpy. It's Friday. Uh, I asked how to pronounce the star of The Lost Husband, the ex-husband of Fergie, and he didn't know, but he said he knew, and I believe him. Apparently, a listener corrected me because I pronounced Josh Duhamel's name, Josh Duhamel, but apparently it's Josh Dumel. So thank you for correcting me. You know we do corrections on nothing personal. If I do something wrong, I'm going to fix it. Josh Dumel was in The Lost Husband, and he's Fergie's ex-husband. He's sort of The Lost Husband. All right, I watched a movie last night. You know I'm into Hamilton. You know I'm into Broadway. You know I love musicals. We did a whole week of musicals and documentaries. Hamilton was written and starred Lin-Manuel Miranda. I think if you don't know that, you should. I don't think there's anyone who doesn't know that. Hamilton's on Disney+. Plus. It's worth getting Disney+, Plus just to see Hamilton. What I wasn't aware is that the stars of Hamilton were part of Lin-Manuel Miranda's crew all the way back when he was in college at Wesleyan, which is a phenomenal liberal arts school in the Northeast, very small. He met a bunch of guys, including the director who directed Hamilton. And they had a freestyle rap group where they basically, what that means is... The audience gives you a word or they make up a word and these guys just rap using that word. So it's freestyle rap and there's a word for it, Coca, that is escaping me when you do something off the cuff. And this is amazing. Presque vous encore une fois on a Friday. Coca, do you have any idea the word I'm thinking of at all? It's not freestyling. It's uh, what's the word when you make stuff up and... Uh, just it's not freestyling it's it's when it's it's like comedy sports in wisconsin is this when when you're doing comedy routines but it's all based on the audience i'm losing my mind i've had it i've had it i'm stopping the show i'm not stopping the show i may stop the show in any case there is a group of guys led by lin-manuel miranda and they started this group years and years ago and they brought this show all the way improv Golly, thank you, Matt. Oh, my God. So these guys would improv the entire show and do it rhyming, rhyming improv with a beat to rap. So they did a documentary called We Are Freestyle Love Supreme, and I couldn't even believe what I was hearing and watching. It follows them back from 2005 all the way through a Broadway run in 2019 pre-COVID and it goes through Hamilton. It goes through people joining Freestyle Love Supreme. And they are a family. And to improv the way they do is a talent that you don't teach. Because either you have it or you don't. 
period. You should check it out. It's well worth it. We are freestyle love supreme. <laughs> There's a guy who does just that. He provides the beat and he does these amazing sounds with his mouth like. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Thank you. So I actually have to go into a serious topic now, so I can't. It, it wouldn't be nice to. So I'm going to do a topic in between that uh, before I get too serious again, because that wasn't serious. Uh, word came out that NBA free agency could be delayed. I got a few NBA things to talk about here on a random Friday. So as you remember back in the day, like a month ago when the NBA was on break, they said they were going to start July 31st. Then they said there was going to be the final game no later than October 12th. And then all of a sudden they were going to start the next season, December 1st. And the players union said, that's a surprise. Michelle Roberts, that of the players union said, that's too short an off season. And so Adam Silver said, well, we'll talk about it. So now we're learning because maybe again, there's people paying attention to nothing personal that, they may need to delay the season past December 1st, OVS. Therefore, free agency can't start right after the season. And they're trying to say right now that the NBA could be delaying free agency past October 18th, which is six days after the regular season, after the postseason ends, after the playoffs ends. And what we're supposed to believe is that that's because the season in general is going to be pushed back. Don't buy it. Let me tell you why free agency is being delayed. Free agency is being delayed because of what you know, because you subscribe to nothing personal. NBA teams are totally screwed. They're screwed because they signed all these max players, assuming a salary cap that would increase at the same rate as it always had, assuming revenues would increase at the same rate they always have. And you've got teams who did not want to be over the luxury tax threshold who now will be because the luxury tax threshold is going to go down because gate revenues have disparu. That's French for disappeared. They're gone. So the NBA would like to have fans in the stands next season. They're preparing for a bubble. You know that as they should be because there's no guarantee. When we say the next season, remember that joke on nothing personal? Hey, I had a great off season. I gained 30 pounds of muscle. I didn't do steroids. Hey, I had a great off season. I got in shape. I ate vegan. I lost 30 pounds. Oh, oh yeah. The off season was 10 weeks. Oh yeah. I just stopped doing steroids. Wink, wink. So next season starting, we're ready in uh, uh, August. We're in August right now. So next season, let's say they delay to December 21st, September, October, November. That's four months from now. So we're only talking four months till next season, which means you've got to put your team together within four months. Four months ago, July, June, May, April, was April 21st. What's changed since April 21st? I don't know. There's a few people back to work. The stock market rebounded, maybe falsely. Maybe it's a bubble. Ha-ha, <laughs> stock market bubble. There's another word, use of the word bubble that we use way too often. Are you sure there's going to be fans ready to be in stadiums, in arenas, indoors by December 21st? 
If you're an MBA owner, are you going to take that to the bank and say that our revenues are going to be back to pre-COVID? Therefore, we're going to sign these free agents to these deals. It's not going to happen. So they're delaying it under the false pretense that they are waiting to see whether they'll have fans back. What they're really doing is waiting because they want to make it very clear to the players union that times are different, that the players who thought they were getting max deals, that teams that are ready over the luxury tax threshold are going to have to figure out what to do. There may even be a lowering, a false in the middle of agreement lowering of the luxury tax threshold in order to make sure certain teams are not above it. There's going to be a lot of back and forth. If you think that baseball is the only team with labor issues, the only sport with labor issues, it's just not the case. It's a pretty big deal. And, uh, Let's wait and see what happens. Okay, I want to talk about Musai Ujiri again. You heard us do an entire segment yesterday about him and about uh, the video that came out that he was pushed by the same sheriff who was suing him. Well, yesterday... After we did our show, he gave his first public comments since that video was made public. And he did something, and uh, we're going to take a a minute here. And the reason we're going to take a minute is that we don't know. I don't know. You know that I am privileged, and it's not a money issue. It is a color issue. I'm white. I don't know what it's like to ever have people cross the street when I'm walking down the street. I don't know what it's like to have people assume that I am a bad person. I don't know. They, they generally need to Google or, or listen to me before they make those decisions. I get the benefit of every doubt. Ironically, I would complain as president of the Marlins that I wasn't getting the benefit of the doubt coming from Montreal. And I would complain sometimes to the family, my family, sometimes to friends, sometimes to people in the media. Why are you being so hard on me specifically or on our owner? We don't deserve that. And I I can't say that I've ever been able to because I never will be able to walk in anyone's shoes. I don't know what it's like to be a black team president. I do know what it's like to win a championship though. And I do know that after the Marlins won the championship, it didn't even occur to me It would never occur to me that I wouldn't be allowed on the field, that there'd be an issue of me getting into my own clubhouse. None of that. I don't have to have those thoughts for one reason only, because I'm white. Black people have those thoughts, and it's almost impossible to get away from. And Musai finally said, what very, very few people in his position are willing to say. He actually said that the reason and the only reason that I was not granted access to the court after all he had done in his career, built the team, educated everything, he said, the four words that you just don't hear enough, because I am black. If you're the NBA or you're a team owner or you're a person with a heartbeat who can fog up a mirror 
if those words don't give you pause, then I'm afraid to say you have no hope. And please don't spread that hopelessness to your offspring or friends. For him to be able to start a conversation like that and acknowledge a reality that he, knowing how privileged he actually feels given his job, given his education, given his opportunities, but still recognizes that no matter what he does, he will never right now, God, I hope it changes, be able to overcome the reality of those four words. My hope is that people are paying attention. My hope is that things change. They haven't changed in so long. I hope it's different now. Because when you're black, no matter whether you're a team president or not, you should be given the opportunity to prove to people why you don't deserve to be in a place. And it should be for no reason other than your abilities, never because of your color. So there's another sort of downer conversation to have. And I don't know, is it a downer? It's just, it's, these are tough conversations and on nothing personal, we have them. A couple of weeks ago, there, there's, been an, there's been something going on that I really wanted to get to and, and now is the opportunity to do it. Um, ever heard of Darius Geis? He's a running back for the Washington football team. Darius Geis was uh, accused of domestic assault and battery. He was charged, and two hours after being charged, two hours, he was released by the Washington football team. Hadn't been no trial, no conviction. It's a very complicated subject that we try to tackle on nothing personal, innocent till proven guilty. That shouldn't be complicated. That is a constitutional right that we all enjoy. You are innocent until proven guilty. But what innocent until proven guilty, that is in a court of law. That doesn't mean that your place of business does not have the right to eliminate you and punish you for being charged. You don't have the right to work as a football player. So Darius Geis got released. It's a very tough decision when you have to do it because if he's good, it's hard. He was arrested on three counts of assault and battery, counts of destruction of property, felony strangulation. That's not good, by the way. Felony strangulation means you're trying to kill someone by strangling them, basically. So Darius Geis gets released. And I wanted to talk about the impact and how the Washington football team would make that decision. No sooner did he get released than word comes out where he played at LSU for college. Allegations from two women that while at LSU, Darius Geis raped them. They never went to the police. They never filed a complaint. But they came out publicly and said that they were raped by Darius Geis while he was in college at LSU. But in addition, these women alleged 
they basically implicated the coach of LSU is a guy named Ed O'Geron. And USA Today got a player, a former LSU player, teammate of Darius Geis, to give an anonymous quote. I don't like that. I don't like that newspapers have sources like that. If, if I understand when there's sexual uh, crimes going on that you want to remain anonymous, that's what Jane Doe is for. But when you are discussing whether or not a rape took place or what your knowledge is, I think if you're the USA Today, you need to be more responsible. And I don't mean to call them out, but I think that uh, having an anonymous player do it, I just, I'd rather that player be named. I'd rather you convince that source to go off the record. The women, I totally understand why they wouldn't want to be named. So the claim is that these women were new Darius Geis, and this teammate apparently was told about what had happened and went to his coach and nothing was done. That's the claim that LSU sort of just said, eh, it's fine. But Ed Ogeron was not going to take that sitting down because when you are anonymously accused of responding to a possibility that one of your players is engaging in that activity and the player says to you that this basically happened and that Darius Geis did this to my girlfriend. Apparently what the coach said is, quote, everybody's girlfriend sleeps with other people. So Ed Ogeron, of course, had to deny saying that. So he released a statement because that's what people have to do now. He released a statement saying the anonymous quote attributed to me by a former player is not accurate. He would never say that. What he did say, he admitted to saying to this player, is that I understand why you're having an issue with your girlfriend. It happens. I treated him like a son, he went on to say. We all experience heartbreak growing up. Please don't transfer out of LSU because you're breaking up with a girlfriend or because your girlfriend may be sleeping with another player. Although he denied saying his girlfriend is sleeping with another player, but obviously heard the fact that, his, that the player's girlfriend was sleeping with one of his other players. Is that confusing to you? Because it's not to me. Can't you see a coach saying that? When a player is coming and saying, I want to transfer because I'm not comfortable because one of my teammates is sleeping with my girlfriend and possibly assaulting her, I can sort of see a coach saying assault. Now it's possible she he's sleeping with her, but come on, assault. It's horrible to say, but it's true. And why would a coach end up saying that and now have to double back after Darius Geist this many years later gets charged with these vicious crimes? And now you're thinking to yourself, wow, did he just turn into that? Has he always been that? Was that going on in my school? Did I do wrong by my player? Did I do wrong by these girls? But at the end of the day, when you're coaching a program like LSU and you're at Ogeron, you know what you have to do, right? You do the statement. You have a big-time program. And if people get thrown under the bus and women are mistreated and cover-ups happen, and they happen every day. Why? You know exactly why. Say it along with me as we close out this week. Because it's business. It's nothing personal. 
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.